0: We down with D&D. Yeah you know me. We down with D&D. Yeah you know me. We down with D&D. Yeah you know me. We down with D&D. We you. down with D&D. Yeah you know me. We down with D&D. Yeah you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah you know me. We down with D&D. This Welcome to Down with D&D. This is Sean Merwin and today my co-host is a familiar face here in the D&D world and on our show, Mr. Greg Marks. Greg's is hey, hey Greg's is Greg is one of the non full time D and D creators who has probably published more RPG material than I have in the last twenty years, and that's that's saying something. And he is also the you you were the resource manager, but now you are yeah, I'm the now content content manager yeah. for the D and D Adventurers League. How's it going, Greg?
1: Uh, It is going great, Sean. I am happy to be here. It is great to have something to do during these quarantine days. I
0: know, especially when you're not teaching, right?
1: Yeah. No, during the summer,
0: it's uh, slow.
1: It it is all D&D all the time.
0: Sweet. Well, I'm glad because we're here to talk about D&D and we're going to talk about something very specific today. We're going to talk about feats. Not just the 5e feats, not just the new uh, Unearthed Arcana feats, although we will talk about them, but sort of the concept of feats in general, what they mean to the game, uh, how they change the way the game plays, uh, that sort of thing. But before we get into that, let's just, let's chat for a minute. For any new listeners who haven't listened in the last, oh, I don't know, two months since you've been on before, uh, (laughs) could you just give yourself a quick introduction, let people know who you are and what you do?
1: Uh, Sure, yeah. Uh, Right now I am the, as you said, the content manager for D&D Adventures League. So uh, D&D Adventures League, for those that don't know, uh, is the organized play campaign for Wizards of the Coast. So we put out uh, a series of adventures that complement those adventures that come out in hardcover, as well as provide support. We arrange like uh, the various contests, various uh, competitions, uh, anything that happens at a convention Often involves us, that sort of thing So a lot of that sort of thing uh, Before doing that uh, I have worked in organized play Mostly for Wizards of the Coast For a long time And in always as either a volunteer Or a freelancer mm-hmm. So as somebody who's contracted Not ever anyone who's been full-time I've mm-hmm. As as you mentioned, as a full-time gig uh, uh, I've been a college professor Or high school teacher most of my life So
0: yep, The hardest working chemist D&D creator I know <laughs>
1: yeah um other than that i mean i work as a freelancer i've worked on a lot of products for a lot of different companies
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh let me kill that noise uh i have worked for i've done some stuff for shadow run missions i've worked for fantasy flight i've done gigs for uh just about everybody right uh, <laughs> one point or another cobalt Press. Same as you. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Any, anybody who wants to to hire you for some little thing usually over the summer often uh, or uh, some school
0: break so so yeah. you've uh you've worked on not just D but a lot of rpgs
1: oh yeah yeah lots of different
0: and, and while mo- most of it has been adventure design some of it has been you know mo- the more crunchy stuff right the rules um, mechanics and so on
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And that's why I wanted to have you on to talk about feats. Uh, But before we get to that again, I wanted to talk a little bit about Adventurous League. Uh, The new season storyline was just announced. Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. So uh, what's up in the D&D AL world uh, in this interim? Um, And what's going to be coming down the pipe for season 10? And that you can talk about.
1: Um, so uh, sort of we have we'll have two stories going at the time. So there's a, a season 10 story and then a, a, a one we call our dreams of Red Wizard story, which is uh, uh for higher level, more invested players. Mm-hmm. So the ones that's gonna complement the season 10, the the Frost storyline. storyline, uh, we are taking sort of two minor things mentioned in the book, sort of as that are mentioned as like, here's a little, like rumor sort of a side quest that is is very brief Mm -hmm. and we have taken those stories and made them significantly more and much more involved and built a whole nother story based off of it
0: yep okay and uh so you are able then to play not just the hardcover but you are also able to play the adventures league storyline and still sort of be in the same world. Uh, so yeah. you can supplement it.
1: You can, you can, in fact do either. So yeah, you, you, the intention is that it's easy to move back and forth and one supplements the other, mm-hmm. or if you, you just want to play through our storyline or just want to play through the hardcover for that matter, you know, you, all those options are available to you.
0: Cool. So your adventures league character can do any of those three things. So either the back and forth, just pick the hardcover, or just pick the, uh, the storyline yeah. from AL. And
1: and the adventures, we post them on the DMs Guild. Uh each one's a couple dollars. Uh most of it, about a little over half of it of the royalties go back to the author. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned that since it's uh July, uh the Christmas in July sale started today on yeah. DMs Guild. Yeah, that so was... that's a great way to support your authors. But you don't have to play Al to use these adventures. hmm yeah. So, I mean, if you, let's say you're, you're thinking of playing Rhyme of the Frostmaiden at home and you're wishing there was a little bit more content, this is great pre-made content, even if you don't want to play it adventures League style.
0: Yeah. And that's something I've noticed in the last couple of hardcovers, actually, is that instead of being this sort of linear story that you have to play from start to finish, even the hardcovers have been uh, a little bit more sandboxy, a little bit more room for the dm to add in their own uh stuff and so those adventures league adventures are an easy way for a dm to just grab it pull it in and have more pre-made content uh, to to flesh out this campaign
1: yeah a lot of the the these adventures are really designed to be done in one sitting Mm -hmm. so depending on the level of the adventure somewhere from often two to six hours Mm -hmm. and so it's it's great for oh you know Hey, Joe and, and and Sue can't come today, so we only have like three of us. We just want to do a little side thing, so that they won't miss out on the main story. You can easily grab one of these adventures, plug it in, and it's it's in Icewind Dale. It's related to the story. You can, you know, it'll feel to your players like you are just, you know, continuing the, this little side quest mm-hmm. at the same time. But you know, your your main players won't miss necessarily miss out.
0: And, uh, so the beginning of season 10 starts with the release of the hardcover at the same time. Correct. Okay. So the, uh, it's September, right? Uh, is when the hardcover comes out. So that same weekend, we will start seeing the Adventurously content. Yeah, cool. that
1: is correct. Right about the exact same time.
0: Awesome. So anything else, uh, AL related, anything, uh, happening now conventions uh i know that you've been very 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 busy with the ccc adventure review uh proposal review
1: yeah uh i can think of there's a there's actually a couple of things that are happening right now um as you mentioned uh community created content we are we are that program continues to evolve and so there's been a lot of people trying to we haven't fully announced some of the changes that are going to happen. And so a lot of folks have been, you know, turning in their adventures to get them up on the guild and get, get their stuff published as soon as possible. And uh, also it's the summer. So I can uh, try and answer a lot more of those emails. I had a friend the other day who sent me a message and then an hour later sent me a message and said, so did you finish all the CCCs? And I said, I did, except for the 25 that have come in since you last messaged me.
0: <laughs> so, two hours ago. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. so like, literally it, was like it wasn't even two hours. So yeah. it, it is hard to keep up with that, and we have some plans to uh, make it easier to deal with that, mm-hmm. that flow through. Uh, so that's going to be coming up. Those announcements should be happening very soon. Awesome. Uh, the final Season 9 adventure comes out next week. Mm. So Tier 4 finale... Nice. Uh, where, de- uh, where Devil's Fear to Tread uh, mm-hmm. will pop out. Uh, so hopefully a, a, an epic finish to what's been a a 20 adventure storyline yeah. from levels one to 20.
0: That's incredible. That's a lot of co- people, you know, say, oh, 20 adventures. That is a huge amount of work by a lot of people to get even Uh-oh. that out. Uh, so that- and they're all
1: those are all four to eight hours. Yeah. So I mean, if you think about it, I mean, even if they're four, it's 80 hours worth of play time assuming that you don't take your time and you know playing at home and whatnot
0: right wow i mean that's that's an incredible achievement and you guys do that every season
1: yeah every six to nine months right Uh,
0: just an incredible amount uh the other thing i wanted to mention was that uh gen con online is coming up soon in Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks i think the end of uh, what month are we in? This month called. Uh, it
1: is July. <laughs> the, yes,
0: my birth month. I should probably remember.
1: Mine as well. <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, you can get in, still get into many uh, adventures, league legal games uh, run by Baldman Games for Gen Con Live. I know that there is a ton of very excited. And highly skilled DMs just waiting for people to sign up for their tables. Uh, I know that they're running some Eberron stuff there. I know that they're running a lot of Moonshay Isles stuff. The the old, their Bald Band games, uh, regional adventures. So that's uh, yep. That's that's cool. And the, yeah,
1: there's one other big thing happening. I should mention. Uh, the other big thing happening is our Dreams of Red Wizards second story arc hmm. is going to be coming out. And it starts before the uh, the Season 10 ones do. Okay. So you'll see the first one of those happen. Uh, it comes out at the end of August. So a little bit before Season 10 starts. Uh, and comes out in a, basically through roughly December. Okay. And uh, it is high-level play. So these are all Tier 3 and Tier 4 adventures. There you go. And they uh, they are involved for those people who are really really invested in the story. Mm-hmm. So there's a the critical events from previous adventures affect them. Uh, they've also adopted the legacy event story award style mm-hmm. as well of uh, of Eberron the Eberron campaign where if you have the story award, it might. Uh, totally change the way a module plays, right? Right. There might be a whole different encounter and you might not get it, get one. If you don't have it, there's a different one. Or there might be uh, extra options for you. It's it, it really makes it so that if you are playing through the whole story, it is much more immersive, even though you might be playing them with all different people because you're playing them online, whatever, you know, whatever pickup games you can get.
0: Yeah.
1: they they also tend to be more challenging. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So the authors have been, uh, (laughs) Being especially devious in a lot of their combats and right. uh their 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 discussions have involved a lot of like in you know the average combat what's the average combat if you're if you're doing an average regular combat like you you shoot for like maybe a medium mm-hmm. you know difficulty, and here they're shooting for you know a, at a minimum an easy combat is probably a hard
0: mm-hmm. and you know, then so and maybe, up from there,
1: yeah, and up from there right, and right. so with the idea that you know you're tier three tier four. Yep. These are characters that you've been building throughout many AL storylines, and you know, mm-hmm. packed with magic items and lots of lots of creative play that you're used to being able to do fancy things.
0: Right? Yeah. So, and, and that's super important to have an organized play campaign, as you well know, because the the delta between sort of the inexperienced or the new or just the casual player can be huge when compared to a very, uh, buffed high level group that plays together all the time and uses every rule to their advantage. And has, you know, it's mind, every adventure for all the best magic items that are perfect for their character. And so to, to make something that, that fits both of those groups is hard. So giving an option to players that want to, to bring their hurt, if you will, um, is really important for an organized play campaign. So I'm glad to, those are, that y'all have done that.
1: Those players, the ones that this campaign, that part of the storyline is is focused on, are the people that are going to be most interested in our discussion today with feats. True. Like what are <laughs> lots of things we can do to mechanically, you know, get
0: that edge. Right. Right. And uh, yeah. So and if you're one of the people out there saying there's not enough high level uh, content, I need tier three and tier four content. Now you've got your. Your uh, groove on here with the uh, Red Wizard campaign from Adventures League.
1: Yeah, look for it. Starts uh, almost uh, five weeks from now. There you go.
0: So, before we get to our main topic, a couple more quick announcements. First, as Greg mentioned, there is a Christmas in July sale underway at DM's Guild. You. And your friends can get 25% off thousands of titles through the end of July. So take advantage of those savings and, and do Greg a birthday favor uh, and Sean and, uh, <laughs> and go check out his content. That's also on sale. Uh, the second announcement, there are going to be changes coming to down with D and D we're still in the process of determining what those changes might be. I appreciate everyone. Uh, I had to take a two week break in recording and now we're back. Uh, but we want your help out there, listeners, in figuring out what those changes to Down With d and look might look like. So if you're on Twitter, please tweet at down and d and let us know what you'd like to see on the show. Uh, you want more talk about mechanics? Let me know. You want more product reviews where we go in-depth into an adventure or a book? Do uh, you want more talk about game design or less talk about game design? You want more focus on trends in the hobby? You want more interviews or less interviews? Um, any big changes you'd love to see in our format? If you're a patron of the show, you can always use our Patreon site, patreon.com slash MMP to let us know what you want. You can also leave comments on the Misdirected Mark page for this episode, and then I'll get that information as well. So let me know what you want, and I would love to give everyone uh, a little bit of what they want to hear hear or or see in a podcast so thanks for that and now on to our main topic feats feats and the new unearthed arcana so i've been playing D since basic and D split off in the 70s <clears throat> and in that time we've seen a lot of design changes both good and bad uh one of the biggest design features over the editions was the inclusion of feats in third edition These feats were a godsend to some who loved how they made a greater degree of customization possible, and some hated them because they exponentially increased the complexity of the rules and also increased the possibility of great game-breaking combinations being introduced into the game ecosystem. I loved having Greg on to talk about this, because in addition to being a great designer, he has been an organized play administrator in multiple campaigns since third edition launched. Uh, Most of these organized play campaigns were forced to stick to the rules as written. So any problems that those rules may have had became apparent pretty quickly in a large-scale organized play campaign as tens or hundreds of thousands of players, some of the munchkiniest munchkins in the world, uh, going at them. So the latest Unearthed Arcana from Wizards of the Coast provides a slew of new feats to playtest. And in addition to talking about feats in general, I wanted to take a look at those feats. So, Greg, let's talk about feats. Uh, As a game mechanic, what do you think of feats in general?
1: So... So, for my personal playstyle, uh, I'm a big fan. Like, I like the idea of customization mm-hmm. and trying to build, you know, exactly a mechanical representation of the character I can see in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely sympathize though with people who say that it's too much, right? And and they don't want to bother with the the extra detail. I, I totally sympathize with that. It's it's not a thing that bothers me, but I, I totally get. Like, if you're a DM and you're like feats are, are they just break my game. Like I get it. I have like you said running organized play campaign. You you see pretty rapidly how some people can abuse them sometimes. In fact, uh fun fact, AL almost didn't use feats. Hmm. It was they were almost banned.
0: Right. Because uh, they are it, an optional rule in fifth edition. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and I'm glad you're you're here to talk because I am different than you. I like the idea of feats as and as a tool to customize but i think the way they have been implemented over the additions has take has changed them from some a way to customize to a way to power
1: when you see that with the different power levels of the feats right right like some are clearly much more story mm-hmm. and then others uh it, it it they exist for no other reason than there there is a clear mechanical benefit right. right like there's not really a reason and we'll i we can talk about it but the we'll see for example shortly the the crusher feet like right. i don't really get this as a story standpoint it, like it's,
0: it's exactly exactly and and while customization doesn't necessarily mean story you know customization to me means being able to do something being able to to make Within the game, whether it be the story or the mechanics, something happened that wouldn't be able to happen otherwise. And I feel like, as you said, feats have become something different. If you go back to third edition, you know, sometimes feats were introduced to fix problems with the basic rules, and then you got the the uh, term feat tax, right? Yeah. It it became something that well, if you want to play a fighter, you kind of almost have to take this feat because this fixes a problem that the fighter had uh, in the past,
1: or, or you want to take this in three five, uh, this prestige class that is more powerful than others, but it has a feat tax of these totally two like two worthless feats that you will waste your right your feat slots on
0: taking right, and and you you can balance that. If you're very careful, you can make, oh, well, in order to get this, you have to take this feat, which may not be as powerful, but it in the long run leads to something that's more powerful, so it balances out. The problem with that is the more gears you add and the more complex you make this beast, the less and less likely uh, you are to keep that power balance. Uh,
1: it's one of the reasons why Watsy, when they, when they originally came up with the idea of the League, part of the balance, the letting feats in along with other things was the idea of PHB plus one. Mm-hmm. So they had this design uh, philosophy at WOTC that everything would be balanced versus the player's handbook mm-hmm. so that the average DM would say, okay, you can use the PHB and one other thing because then I don't have to worry about a zillion possible combinations that you might somehow use to break the game. That is their core design philosophy for them. And, and thus is something that adventurers league uses. Right. You don't have to worry about, hey, I'm going to take this feat from this supplement and this spell from that one and this race from that one. And if I put them together, I can do this thing that was never really intended.
0: Sure. And and that makes perfect sense. And that puts the onus on the DM to if you want to allow more, go ahead and do that. But that's not right. the base assumption, uh, which sometimes I think Adventures League players forget. Uh, whether they don't understand it to begin with, or they're willfully ignorant of of that concept, uh, that this is the way the rules were were meant to be. And so being allowed to use other content is an extra, not a right.
1: Yeah, no, totally. The, the, I always remember, I mean, in, in any game, your dungeon master is the last word, right? Like mm-hmm. they get to decide. Right. And so if it's your home game, it's your whoever your friend is that that is running. If it's Adventures League, then obviously it's the admins, mm-hmm. right? But we have to make that call because somebody has to put out a, an agreed set upon rules.
0: Mm-hmm. True. Uh, so with fifth edition, they did an interesting thing in that they made the feats a supplementary rule. But even when you use it, it is balanced out against the uh, increase in your ability scores. So if you take a feat, you do not get an increase in ability score unless the feat itself tells you you do get some bump in your ability score. Right. And so that itself became a balancing factor in uh, taking feats. And it, it goes to the,
1: the sort of the two styles of play, right? Like I want to customize and have niche huge bonuses – versus I just want a generic flat bonus. Uh, you remember in 4E, the 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 Slayer, mm-hmm. right? The fighter that was just basically, hey, you get a bonus to hit and damage every time. It's just a generic flat. Right. And I remember when it first came out, people were like, oh, it'll never be nearly as good because if I have all my stuff proc, I get, you know, I do 100 damage. Well, if you don't though, you do like 10. Right. And the Slayer does 30 every round, no matter what. Right. So... Right. It, it does sort of balance out.
0: Right, it, it does. And and that's if you are looking at it mechanically and power-wise, what you have to look at is if you get that plus two to your strength and you're a barbarian, uh, you know, is that plus one to hit and damage every time more valuable than this feat that you may use only on a crit?
1: Yeah. And that, so now, now you really have to think about it, right? right. What's the what's the likelihood that the feat comes into play? Or if maybe that's not your style of play and there's nothing wrong with, maybe it's, we'll talk about the many versions of the chef feat that's been coming out. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you just have a character that's a chef and you really think it would be cool to mechanically represent your ability to cook things.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, but going back to that balance thing, what is that always that constant plus one, does it weigh off against that? but then that goes to well how many combats do you have per level right and if you are leveling every session then that plus one may not be as good as this one thing that happens every once in a while or happens a lot whereas if you have ten thousand combats that plus one will build up over time to make it worth it so it's it's not even just a simple you know statistics versus statistics it's how long is your campaign? It's how much combat do you have in your campaign versus how much exploration and role-playing. You know, all of that stuff comes into play in this very complex puzzle that we're putting together.
1: Yeah, definitely things to think about.
0: Yeah. So uh, before we dig into this article with these feats, is there anything else you wanted to mention about uh, feats in general? your thoughts on them any anything to be aware of you know as the designer to be aware of um with them
1: they are traditionally one of feats and multi-classing are probably the two ways to traditionally break the game the most
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so when you are looking at them you end up having to really people have a tendency to design a feat and go oh that's super cool without thinking about the 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 options and we'll look at uh, one of the ones that I, I sort of have on, on my radar mm-hmm. is uh, uh, one of the ones related to doing piercing damage. Okay. Uh, and it, I see a lot of possible ways you could try and min-max this and uh, some wording that maybe we'll talk about.
0: Okay. Uh, so, so let's dive right in. Uh, let's dive right in. We're going to talk about this, uh, unearthed arcana article. It's up on the DMs, uh, not up on the DM skill. It's up on the wizards of the coast website, um, under unearthed arcana. So you can go grab it for yourself. And I'm sure within a, a few uh, days or weeks, they will put up the, um, survey that goes along with them so you can get your feedback in you can test them with your groups or read them over and let them know what you think but let's find out what greg thinks first uh so one of the feats i believe that he wants to talk about is the piercer
1: um okay yeah sure we can we'll start there uh so they, there's actually three feats so mm-hmm. uh there's crusher piercer and slasher right basically
0: <laughs> i wonder where it, they get those from
1: yeah, so there's the three types of damage. They all give you a stat bump, they all do something where if you hit something happens and if you crit something happens. Right. Um the the first thing I want to say is that uh I disliked that the honor crit for Crusher and Slasher was the same. Okay. So they like went out of their way to make Piercer different. I feel like the honor crit for Slasher should be should be different as well. Okay. Uh, just because they're totally different weapons and if you were going to try and do something story-wise like i'm really good at fighting a certain way Mm -hmm. i feel like your benefit should be different
0: right okay so for piercer it's you increase your strength or dex by one so by taking the feat you actually do get an increase uh instead of getting an increase of two things you're just getting one
1: and that's the same bonus for all three
0: sure uh, and then for the piercer, once per turn, when you hit a creature with an attack that does piercing damage, you can reroll one of the attacks, damage dice, and you must use the new roll, okay? And then on, so, a, on a crit uh, that deals piercing damage, if you have this feat, you can roll one additional damage die when determining the extra piercing damage the target takes, okay?
1: So I, I also take umbrage with the second bullet. Okay. Because it doesn't say the die you have to re-roll is the piercing die damage.
0: Okay. So if you're also doing sneak attack.
1: So sneak attack, green flame blade. Mm -hmm. So I'm picturing mixing this with, uh, I, I pictured I've got a pike. So I'm doing D10 damage, but I'm also got my green flame. Maybe I'm great weapon mastering. Uh you could also be polar mastering, though Pike is suboptimal for that choice because you don't get to use one of the abilities of Polar Master, a thing you also think about when combining feats. Yes. But this idea that you get to re-roll dice based on piercing, except you don't have to re-roll the piercing dice, mm-hmm. at least according to the way it's written.
0: Right. And then there are also some abilities or feats that let you re-roll dice anyway.
1: Right. So- and it doesn't talk about what happens when you get multiple sets of rerolls
0: Right so so, yeah so so you're rolling a d8 if you roll a one or a two you get to re-roll uh and then you do and then another or this feat lets you re-roll okay yeah so what do we do with that
1: so and and when i start to get to re-roll oh because it does piercing damage but i get my other thing lets me re-roll specifically piercing damage so i'm gonna use that one first Okay, that one's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, this still lets me reroll. I've got my green flame blade on my on my pike, mm-hmm. so I'm going to now reroll the fire damage. And then even if that's a one or a two, maybe I have elemental mastery. Oh, well, I still get to count the one as a two if I reroll it. It's bad.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so, not not only could it be overpowered, it's also just way too complicated.
1: I worry about the time. Yeah. Right. Like I hate people. Uh, Anybody who's a, well, wait, I got to calculate the odds on if I should re-roll or not. And then wait, I get to re-roll again. Yeah. I could re-roll again. Yeah. It, it slows things down.
0: Yep. There's, there's a game term we throw around called latency, right? It's when you say what you're going to do and when you finish what you were going to do, how much time was in there. And that time that you spend doing that, the other players aren't doing anything, um, which can be, be bad for a game. Yeah.
1: No one wants to watch another person re-roll their dice repeatedly. True. Right? Yeah. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of excitement if this is the big fight and, you know, you're the only one up or something. But yeah. most of us just don't want to stare you while you re-roll dice.
0: And one thing that that also comes into play here, which I've become much, much more cognizant of recently, is online play when you're trying to set up your dice to do the things so you only need to press the button once and it will take care of all of that for you. And this is just, you know, you do have things that count one and twos as threes or that re-roll for you automatically, but adding this in is just one more step programmatically that companies that want to do on or facilitate online play will have trouble handling.
1: Yeah. And then deciding which some of them are specific as to which type of dicey roll. this right. one is isn't. Not. Yeah. You you got to be, yeah, I, I would not, I would not be excited for the companies that would have to sit, figure out how to implement this. <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, so let's go back to Crusher since that sure. is of the same ilk. With that when you increase your Strength or Dex by 1 to a maximum of 20. Once per turn when you hit a creature with an attack that deals bludgeoning damage, you can move it 5 feet to an unoccupied space provided the target is no more than one size larger than you. And when you score a critical hit that deals bludgeoning damage to a creature, attack rolls against that creature are made with advantage until the end of your next turn.
1: That last part is really good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yes, yes.
1: Um, but not nearly as good. So good. Right. But then compare that now to tandem tactician. Right. Which is also. Yep. As a bonus action, <laughs> you can do help. Mm-hmm. And not only if you that, if you are helping as an attack, you can help two people.
0: Attack the same target.
1: Yep. Attack the same target. Yep. And yep. they get advantage.
0: Now, now being able to use help as a bonus action is huge. is crazy huge it's really huge i mean that's that's a that's an ability that that uh, yeah that's an ability that is there a new class that gives that ability i i i I think there is or a new race i I,
1: there i believe there is i believe there's also a a third party class that does
0: okay so so yeah that that, that's that's a thing um that's big and so compare that as you say to Crusher only on a critical hit and only when you're using bludgeoning uh, bludgeoning damage weapon or yeah. on a critical hit when you square a critical hit that deals bludgeoning damage. So if we, if you're using a not spell not just you have to do damage. Right. So so if you're using a spell <laughs> that does oh, yeah. bludgeoning damage and you it's an attack I'm trying to think if there's an attack roll spell
1: uh yes that does oh, force damage i was thinking baby's hand it's forced
0: yeah um, if you had an area of effect spell that did bludgeoning damage you could and you score it, it yeah yeah i, I uh, don't know I, i'm trying to think so so maybe yeah
1: but yeah yeah that's another way it doesn't say weapon attack it right. says any bludgeoning damage yeah i hadn't even caught that that is another
0: yeah, th- there are all these little tiny details that and, and, you know, I, I don't expect these to be perfect. These are playtest things. Well,
1: Clearly play t- playtest, yeah. yeah.
0: And so, you know, it's just one thing that this is something I would totally write and then go back later and say, oh, I forgot to say weapon attack or, yeah. oh, I forgot to say melee weapon attack or, you know, wh- however you want to. Uh,
1: to say you know, it's why we have play test. Yep. Right. Yeah, okay. totally. I mean, you know, I've, you write it. And this happens all the time. You write it and you know what you meant. Mm-hmm. So you envisioned it working the way you envisioned it working, yep, you hand it out to ten thousand people, yeah, and suddenly four thousand of them are suddenly using this one feet because right. it's got a really cool way that you didn't think about
0: yep, yep, a cool little yeah. exploit, and you know the one thing about the crusher feet the the second bullet point here the being able to move uh somebody five feet when you hit um
1: great with damaging terrain,
0: yeah, I mean it's these are the things that are cool, but I question them because people play D and D different ways. If yeah. you play theater of the mind movement has a lot less impact than if you play on a grid with lots of cool things.
1: Yeah. This is clearly aimed at somebody who likes, likes mechanics and likes right. g- likes grid. Yep.
0: Yeah. So, so like being able to move somebody five feet and they fall off a thousand foot cliff. That's cool. Uh If you play theater of the mind, being able to push someone five feet may come in handy if someone is sticking to your wizard, you know, some bad guy, and you want to move them away from your wizard so your wizard can escape, then that's cool. But other than that, it it may not tactically... Some kind of set piece where you're
1: on a log over a cliff fighting (laughs) or something, but otherwise, yeah, not going to
0: happen. And so then let's uh, go to Slasher, which is the third of this trilogy of... Damage type related feats. Um, you can increase your strength or dex by one again. Um, yep. Once per turn, when you hit a creature with an attack that deals slashing damage, you can reduce the speed of the target by 10 feet until the start of your next turn. And when so, you, if you
1: are a yeah. moving character, yep. like a scout,
0: Yep. that would be good. That that would be. But if you're using this against a uh, you know a giant that really doesn't move anyway, yeah. or something that can fly 60 feet as it is uh then not not all that useful and then as greg mentioned when you score a critical hit um you grievously wound it until the start of your next turn the target has disadvantage on all attack rolls
1: yeah so it's it's very similar to the you give everyone advantage right and i I felt it was so similar it actually bothered me a little bit yeah um but it's not as good right crushers better yeah everybody advantage against it has disadvantage
0: right with disadvantage it's probably like one or two attacks as disadvantage right and i feel like as one of the things about feats too is i feel like some of them are super powerful at low level and then practically non-existent Mm -hmm. at at higher level uh what one was i looking at that that thought came to mind it was the chef Uh, there's a lot to unpack with the chef, I think. Um, so let's talk about chef next. Sure. So, uh, you be, you're basically you take this feat and you become a chef. You can increase your con or wisdom score by one. You gain proficiency with cooks utensils if you don't already have it. And the two other bullet points that are important here as part of a short rest, you can basically cook a nice meal and, You can feed a number of creatures equal to four plus your proficiency bonus. So basically six to nine um, over the course of your adventuring career. Uh, At the end of the short rest, any creature who eats the food and spends one or more hit dice to regain hit points, regains an extra 1d8 hit points. Uh, And I'll just do the next bullet point and then we'll talk about it Um, with one hour of work or when you finish a long rest, you can cook treats. It's like Rice Krispie Treats, right? Uh, <laughs> and you can hand those out. You can make a number equal to your proficiency bonus. So, again, in vent- normal adventuring career, about you know two to five, two to six of them. Um, a creature can eat one as a bonus action to gain temporary hit points equal to your proficiency bonus. Yeah, I mean, it's at, at low level. Probably
1: going to matter a lot more. Possibly.
0: possibly I will important. note, so so there's been a
1: lot of versions this, this has come up before, right? The chef idea has been one that Watsi has played with. Mm -hmm. And I want to point out that if you have proficiency with chef's utensils, you also, at least if you're using Xanathar's, uh, you have access that as part of a short rest, you plus five creatures. If you feed them during the short rest, they get plus one hit point per hit die spent. Okay, like that's a thing you get already with proficiency. Okay, so now if you have this feat, mm-hmm. they're getting hit die plus one plus d- d8. Okay, or I guess yeah. as many hit dice plus as many hit dice as you have number. Right, and then plus d8.
0: Okay, that's that's interesting. I I wasn't aware of that. Uh, from I mean, I knew xanthars had those. I just wasn't aware of that one specifically. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, it's what I've thought about because so uh, I worked on a project called uh, Minx and Boo's Guide to mm-hmm. uh, Yeah. So it, in in Minks and Boo, uh, we had two different chef subclasses. <laughs> so we had a war we had a warlock, two warlock patrons. Both one is the 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 Lord of Flavor Town, <laughs> and then the other one is uh, basically a Swedish chef. Mm-hmm and we looked a lot at like what are things you can do with cooking right and so i I've, I've been pondering this for quite a bit
0: yeah well i mean it's something that you know if if i go to a convention and run eight slots i will have probably at least two tables where there is a character who's all about the cooking yeah and and yeah, that's, that's really that's what just a surprise in, yeah and, that, like me. and that's just in general right that's that's with no bonuses or anything that's just that's yeah. their thing. So uh it's obviously something that speaks to players so i think it's important to have something. Uh the question is you know how, mechanically or in terms of adding to story or mechanics what does what does it bring? And i i feel like this is one of those examples of something that it's a feat that tries to make itself attractive to to role players but also try to be Powerful enough mechanically to compete with the powerful and therefore popular feats
1: healing and inspirational leader.
0: Right. Right. Exa- are,
1: are, are mechanically probably superior. Yeah. Uh, although I, the bonus temp hit points at low level might keep somebody up. Right. Right. The bonus, the bonus action, like yeah. you gave me the treat and I'm going to go down from this automatic damage or whatever. I can bonus action, keep myself alive. Yeah it's situationally interesting but i i really think the other healing related feats are more powerful
0: yep oh yeah and then you think of the bard right who has the 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 ability to basically do this exact same thing uh so if you're a bard can you sing while you cook the you know your chef bard
1: and I, I have seen chef bards before yeah. this is a thing i've thought about like i mean you could be getting the bard bonus you could be getting the bonus d8 you could Mm. be getting the bonus for proficiency i i mean what if you and then you also have a situation like what if the player also has the healer feet do you let them stack yeah as well like can they also use healing on you at the same time i don't you know you because a player will try right right
0: right. And, and and that's you know what can you do with a short rest is one of those questions where if you just Read the rules it's like you can't Do anything right while you're taking a Short rest you have to rest and Then there's well you know during a short rest This character can sing And and inspire You and give you some hit points Well this character can now cook And give you these things And, and It just shows that Complications Being added to a game To make it more What? More interesting. Okay. More powerful. Yeah. More, you know, more, what are we trying to add to the game by adding these things?
1: You are right in that it also doesn't specify as to whether cooking is a thing you can do while resting. Right. Leading me to believe the chef can't actually benefit from this. Right. True. They're helping, they're eating, helping someone else. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, or I at mean, least
1: that's that the way it's written. I mean, it it's cooking is not on the list, short list of things you're technically allowed to do while short resting. Yeah. You might a, a DM who wanted to really like rein it in could be like, yeah, you you can do it, but you you don't get the benefit.
0: Mm-hmm. And and then you'll get the people who try to put the food aside and save it for later right. uh, to use it as sort of a mini healing potion, and you know it's 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 interesting. And I, I like what it's trying to do. I just I just don't like feats that add complications as the the complicating factors need to be offset by the coolness and the role playing and all of those things to make it worthwhile. And if it goes beyond that, it, it turns into something else. I
1: yeah. Think. This is this is clearly an example of we love this cool idea. It's got great role-playing flavor, but we want to make it worth taking, right? And I feel like it's not quite balanced out or right at yeah. the
0: moment. Yeah, and and especially at high levels, again, right? I mean, if you're eighteenth level, a uh, this this hit point extra hit point you get or extra d8 hit points aren't going to mean anything, and you're or the
1: five temporary right. hit point.
0: I mean, we were playing a campaign yeah. at we were only like 11th level and th- three characters had different ways to give everyone temporary hit points. So it was like, well, how many are you giving? Uh, only 12? Well, I'm giving 14. So, you know, so it's, it's something that I feel needs when, when the feat is created needs to uh, scale better than, than that does.
1: Yeah. Something I, I, I don't have an idea right off the top right. of my head on how- this but I, I think this one needs work
0: right one temporary hit point per level right at uh, at th- something at fourth level everybody gets four temporary hit points at fifth level five i, I don't know uh, but anyway uh, are there any specific ones that you wanted to talk about greg
1: um there's a couple uh i i definitely want to talk about uh metamagic adept okay that one ha- is pretty cool, and is it Eldritch Adept?
0: Yep, Our Eldritch, and, uh, initiate?
1: or Eldritch Initiate. Sorry, Eldritch Initiate and Shadow Touch. No, you're right, so, Eldritch oh, Adept. I actually have a lot of ideas.
0: Okay, you. well, let's talk with. El- start with Eldritch Adept. Uh, so, okay. So basically, <laughs> uh, reading it over quick, you learn one Eldritch invocation of your choice from the warlock class if it has a prerequisite you can choose that invocation only if you're a warlock and only if you meet the prerequisite Um, so if you're basically if you're learning one of the basic eldritch invocations uh, you don't need to be a warlock if you're learning one of the more advanced ones that say rely on your eldritch blast you need to have the eldritch blast uh, in order to use it so what do you think about that
1: okay um so clearly, you're seeing that all of almost the vast majority of these feats give a class ability that mm-hmm. you don't normally have to people, right? So that's a a this is very much to customization. Yep. I think this one of all of them is probably the most open to power gaming. Okay. Uh, Devil's sight mm-hmm. is extremely powerful and one of the base ones. Right. So we see it a lot in organized play. A lot of people where everybody at the table has one level of warlock so that they have devil sight Mm -hmm. because they use darkness regularly. Right. Like I I see this as a, and and that's why I bring up, well, it in and of itself is not super broken shadow touched, although it does give you a second and a first level spell Mm -hmm. instead of a first and a cantrip. It gives you darkness. So basically what you've done is you've given characters ways to do this thing that is particularly cheesy Mm And say I'm going to throw out darkness, and then every all of my guys can see through it,
0: and none of your guys can,
1: and none of your guys can. Yeah. Uh, so that is a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has the advantage of uh, you can take a number. There's a bunch of them that let you cast a spell all the time. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm gonna uh, I'm an illusionist. I get bonus various bonuses if I can cast an illusion. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a warlock uh, one that lets you. Uh, what's it called? It's uh, something visions mm-hmm. that lets you cast a uh, silent image at will all the time. So right. I can get all my work, my illusionist stuff constantly. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, uh, I'm a character that is required to be, uh, out of armor. I can't wear armor. Oh, well, there's a warlock one that lets you cast major armor. armor. Yep. At will. yep. Uh, there are a number of them that are particularly good. So like mask of many faces for all the rogues and bards, mm-hmm. Uh, I said Misty Visions, uh, Beach Beach for all your druids and rangers. Uh, I think this one of all of them gives you the ability to do a thing that your class isn't supposed to do or is sort of a penalty to balance your class.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Now, mind you, you have to be able to cast spells. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it limits some of the rogues and fighters except for certain subtypes. Sorry, arch uh, arch types. Yeah. I think this one is really open to being broken.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's that does go back to kind of a philosophy of game design on on feats about whether feats should be sub uh, multi-class basically should multi-classing be based on feats. And if you have multi-classing, then you shouldn't use feats to multi-class. Or if you don't have multi-classing, then you should use feats to multi-class. And I, I feel like this is kind of doing both. Like you said, it's getting an ability that you otherwise wouldn't have, and can really abuse. Uh, and
1: and if you're, it also gives you the opportunity to customize quite a bit. Yeah. Like I, I think you you had said earlier had the thought that you you sort of like the custom ability customizability of this feat,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and. And, and I do, like, I like that idea as long as you are open to the idea that some players will abuse the heck out sure, of it. Sure,
0: sure. And and what, what it makes me think is, you know, if you want this customization that feats give, just make the game feat-based, right? Because then you could uh, ultimately yeah. customize like, to your heart's content.
1: Like we're playing, like, let's play a point-based game uh, like uh champions or something
0: right
1: you you literally buy everything out of the same pile of points
0: right yeah and and then you can totally customize uh and you can that therefore design the game to mitigate the most outrageous stuff within that system, whereas if you have a system where you 're giving someone a whole bunch of things and then letting them pick from this list you are opening it up, making it much harder to limit that sort of cheesiness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: if you like the customabil- customizability, like this is, that one is going to let you do a lot of different things.
0: Yeah. Cause it's not just, you're able to choose one thing. It's you're able to choose from this large list of things. Yeah. Some of which is, is pretty, uh, pretty beefy. You also mentioned the shield uh, training feet.
1: Yeah, so shield training feat, uh, it increases strength or dex or con by one. Mm-hmm. You get proficiency with shields. You can pick up or drop your shield as a free action, which that that's pretty cool, actually, mm-hmm. though it is definitely going to be how many free actions do you get? Because I'm definitely gonna have people go, I drop my shield, I do this thing, I pick up my shield. Right. You know, uh, that part might need a little bit of clarification. Like you can yeah. only... drop or don or doff once per turn or something yeah but it's it's actually the last part that bothers me the spell casting or pack magic feat if uh, feature if you have it you can use the shield as a as a focus okay so your your first thought is oh i can finally be a shield using melee fighter Mm -hmm. that's a caster so i'm going to be like a melee wizard right that's your probably your first that's your first thought right you have no free hand to do a somatic component. There are no spells that don't have somatic components. Okay. There's like two. So this doesn't actually let you do the obvious thing. Okay. It only lets you swap out, uh, it counts as a focus. So it counts as your uh, material components.
0: Okay. But not for spells
1: things. that have material components. Right. But you still need a free hand, yeah. which means you're a wizard with a free hand and a shield instead of a, a sword.
0: And and a free hand.
1: Yeah. And a free hand. Yeah, I don't I don't know.
0: Yeah. That that's that's interesting. And
1: I feel like it doesn't do what I think they wanted it to do.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Um
1: it also lets you abuse because of the free Don Doff uh magic shields that give huge bonuses. Like, oh I fight two handed. Uh, but now I'm going to just hold my weapon in one hand and pull out my, my shield for free of spell resistance. So when I'm not fighting, I have spell resistance, but when I am, I put it on my back for free.
0: Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. it, Yeah. It's the, the, the whole Don Doff thing, uh, is, is problematic anyway. You know, in terms of that's that's one thing I know a lot of players don't want to deal with when they're playing is okay, what are you holding in your hand and I need to switch out? It's like either leave it in your hand or or don't yeah, yeah. and and let's yeah. get rid of the rules that let you switch at all, um so we don't have to deal with that, yeah,
1: it sort of implies that they intend it to be once per turn
0: mm-hmm.
1: um I'm not sure I hundred percent feel like it's a super clear on that
0: right
1: um. And maybe, maybe if they, they spelled that out very specifically, then you could only do the sort of cheese I was thinking about every other turn. So you only have spell resistance, for example, every other turn.
0: Well, so, no, so normally to Don and Off a Shield, is it a, an action?
1: Uh, I th- think it's an action.
0: Yeah, I, I thought oh, it was an action. He... And normally you would only get one free object interaction on your turn. I think that's the rule, but I.
1: Uh, so so, I think that's the implied rule. Right. I, I've definitely seen people who argue, well, it's free, so I take as many frees till the DM says I can't.
0: Well, that's going back to yeah, third edition rules. There, I think.
1: Uh, and I think that's that's part of my issue with this one is it it isn't super clear what you right. can do. Right.
0: The the rules themselves aren't clear, so piling on to a rule that's not clear will make any rule piled onto it also not clear.
1: And if you are playing, you know, I'm I'm nothing against players because I'm a player as well. <laughs> but I guarantee you someone who's doing the free Don Doff is probably not going to ninety percent of them are not going to be like, hey DM, here's how I think this works. And just so you know this is what I'm doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Especially at like a convention where you don't play with people regularly. Right. They're gonna be doing it till you're till somebody goes,
0: wait, wait, how, how are you doing? Yeah, do that? and then and then it becomes the the 20-minute rules discussion during yep. a 40-minute slot where you are trying to run an adventure that takes five hours to run.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So one to, that, that's one that I, I feel like it was intended to do a thing that it doesn't do. And then I think it piles, like you said, piles on an already not super clear rule yeah. that make it more or less,
0: <laughs> less clear.
1: Yeah.
0: So what... Uh, we have time for one more. What what would you like to talk about for the final uh, one? Um Meta Magic Adept, you mentioned.
1: Yeah, Meta Magic Adept. Okay. So this one actually interests me. Um I I can see a lot of times where the I have wizards like that would love this. So obviously Meta Magic provenance of sorcerers, right? Mm-hmm. So this Feat gives you the opportunity to learn two medic magic options of your choice. Every time you level, you can swap one of them. Mm-hmm. You get two sorcery points, and these don't scale. Okay. So if you already had sorcery points, it adds on top. Mm-hmm. Great if you, by the way, were multitask, multicast, uh, multi classing mm-hmm. with sorcerer just for like one or two levels of sorcerer, and you want to get more sorcery points. This is a great way to do it. Gotcha. Uh, but more importantly. This basically gives every class a free cl- quicken, mm-hmm. or two of something else. Gotcha. So, like a ex- a extend or mm-hmm. uh, distant or yeah, it's not super broken. Uh, you you don't get your sorcery points back till the end of a long rest. Yeah. So basically, if it's a quicken, you get one quicken a day. Right. That's, I mean, it's going to be powerful, but I. I see this still being useful at high level. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Like, oh, wow, uh, everything has hit the fan. I got to do seven things on my turn. Right. Looks like it's my, you know, that quicken mass heal is coming out right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and that makes sense because if you're being able to cast a spell quickly at first level is just as important as being able to cast it at 20th. Um, well, and,
1: and the idea that quicken lets you get around the, more than one not cantrip in a turn
0: Mm -hmm. right
1: so hey i'm gonna you know quicken that mass heal and then i'm gonna oh and you're really you need a restoration or you need a you know whatever i need to fix things and make us back up and and run it
0: Mm -hmm. cool
1: i i like it it's definitely going to be powerful at every level Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm trying to think of how you break it but it's only once a day so i'm not sure you do
0: yeah yeah so so then the question is okay if it sounds reasonable to us would <laughs> would anyone take it right that that's always the question
1: Oh, it see, hard to be it, a, it
0: seems balanced so
1: yeah it's, it's hard to be a cleric or a wizard who doesn't normally get to quicken and get to quicken once a day is yeah
0: yeah it's pretty good yeah so uh just just to wrap up uh I am not a huge fan of feats just in general, because we as designers want people to like and use what we make. Uh, But many players only like it and want to use what we make when it's more powerful uh, than what's there rather than more diverse than what's there. Um, And it's, it is a terribly difficult design task to create feats so that players, uh, the characters become more diverse rather than more powerful. Um, because if there are even two or three feats that add to a character's power more than to its diversity, most players we found, thanks to D&D Beyond, uh, are going to take the ones that add the more power.
1: Yeah, especially the ones that seem to become like almost a given, right? right. Like sharpshooter, sharpshooter, oh, okay, yep. or you know, warcaster. Yep. These are like it helps everything you do with a particular kind of character right you do all the have time to take it yeah. yeah
0: yeah yep so you know seeing seeing the new ones roll out is instructive not just in terms of being a designer and or being a player or being a dm and wanting to see how things are done it becomes it becomes instructive on what the folks at wizards of the coast are thinking in terms of moving forward um so i always love to see these unearthed arcana articles not just for what they are but for what they mean going forward um
1: it definitely looks like a a customization is in the air mm-hmm. right like i want to be a fighter but it would be great if i could cast a you know one or two spells or right. i could you know get get tracking with right. the yep. tractor feet here yep uh any of those kinds. So the idea of I want to be a class, but I don't want to have to multi-class mm-hmm. to get a little flavor of something else seems to be like a, a way they're going.
0: Yep. It does. And we will see what that means in the coming months, gears uh, for five. Uh, any, yep. anything else you want to mention about feats before we shut this puppy down?
1: Um. Just do what makes you happy, I guess. Yeah. Like if you if, if feats are the way you want to play your game, play your games with feats. If not, take your bonus.
0: Yep. And
1: there's no right answer.
0: That's true. There really isn't. Uh, but there is a mechanism for you to leave feedback for wizards uh, when they put up their survey. Make sure you let your preferences be known because you speak not only for yourself, but undoubtedly you speak for at least a few other people out there the way you want to play the game. And so by speaking up, you are letting Wizards of the Coast know that you are one of a multitude of people out there who like your game to be played a certain way and that, like, the original playtest of 5e and d d Next lets them know what sort of product they are going to create. So don't yeah. be afraid to and do that. Yeah, and
1: realize that the pro So we actually, we just talked about this in a, a WOTC meeting the other day. The Whenever you are putting out a book that has crunch it adds uh, roughly a third of time to the time it takes to put out that book because the level of playtest is so much more excessive, mm-hmm. especially when you find things like, Hey, look, the chef feet, this is like the third or fourth time they've taken a crack at this yeah. idea. Yeah. Yep. Like some of these things you have to go over and over repeatedly. So whereas a, a storybook, sure. We put it out, we play test it once or twice mm-hmm. and then, you know, make some adjustments, play test it again. You know, but it's it's not like the level of these mechanical books. They take a lot longer. There's a lot more involved.
0: For sure, Uh, I know that from personal experience writing the Acquisitions Incorporated book.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it takes so much more effort.
0: Yep. So anyway, uh, thank you, patrons. Uh, for being out there listening and for helping us keep the lights on. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash MMP. That helps us keep the lights on, if you will, for just a buck a month. You can get access to special content as well from Down With D&D, Misdirected Mark Productions, and Pandas Talking Games. Uh, If you can't support us monetarily, we totally understand. These are tough times for a lot of people. Uh, so Just give us a review on whatever media that you're listening on or talk about us on social media hey greg thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your expertise with us i'd love to come Uh, let me know and help you out whenever you need (laughs) sounds good uh where can people follow you on social media or follow your work
1: uh it's probably best to find me on twitter or instagram and you can find me there at scarrett7h3green
0: Scare it the green, but with a seven and a three instead a. of the T and the yeah. H or E and, and, and the. I,
1: I will continue to regret that. And...
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, your stuff's on the DMs Guild as well, right?
1: Uh, tons of stuff on the DMs Guild. Yeah. Both, both crunch and story. So definitely games you can, adventures you can play with your group, but also uh, lots of fun crunch stuff too.
0: Nice. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin, or you can go to our forums at forums.misdirectedmark.com and let us know what you think. There's also a comment form on the website at misdirectedmark.com. Down with D&D is a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Hey, Greg, what would you like to do now? Let's go kill some monsters. With these feeds. Yeah. <laughs> you down with D&D. Yay! Get down with DND Get you know me Get down with DND Get down with DND you down with D. you, know me? Down with D&D. you know me? I'm down with down with DND Nice